Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Hi there. Are you a high income earner? Do you feel like you're paying more than your fair share? Do you feel like the tax man has taken too big a bite out of your check, out of your finances? Well, I'm here to help. I help high-income people legally reduce their taxes, and I can help you. So if you feel like you're paying too much in taxes and you're a high-income individual, schedule an introductory conversation with me, and let's see what maybe we can do to help. Also, if you've had a large capital gain event, maybe it's a business, maybe it's a piece of real estate, maybe it's stocks or bonds, investments, we can help there too. So reach out, schedule a discovery call, and let's see if we can solve your problem. Welcome to the show. Today, we have Gary Bird, founder of SMC National, a growth partner in the dental industry, and an Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies three years in a row. Gary, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, have this uh, conversation with you, Ross. Well, Gary, we talked for like five minutes offline, and I was like, holy cow, I can ask this guy a gajillion questions, because your story is very unique. And you do a lot of really, really cool things. So let's start off by talking about how you got into dental, because the stat you threw at me on your first dental client was pretty impressive. Yeah. So I'm just like everybody else. Okay. So if you're a dentist or a hygienist, you're here on purpose. You went to school, usually a family member influenced you to get into the dental industry or or a loved one, someone close to you, you saw their life and you wanted to emulate it. And you made a conscious decision to go into the dental industry. Almost everybody else is here by accident. Every tech person, every person that's building, you know, SaaS products, the marketing people, the the lawyers, everybody else kind of stumbles into it. And, and I'm no different. Um, I actually, the reason I know that is on my podcast, Dental Marketing Theory, uh, we, uh, I ask that question every single time to every single guest. So if, when you come on Ross, I'm going to ask you, how'd you get into the dental industry? And everybody's here by accident. So what happened to me was I was doing marketing for like everybody for all different kinds of businesses. And one day I met a dentist and I said, Hey, I would love to have you as a client. And we brought him on and we were able to take him from about $90,000 a month to about 400 and some change a month. And, and, it, and it took a little bit of time. It didn't happen overnight, but I didn't realize how big of a deal that was in dental. And he was in a super competitive market in California. He's still one of my clients. He was my first dental client, still works with us. Um, so that was how I got into dental. They referred us to people. And then we decided to niche down and only focus on dental. And so, something that we're really proud of is that we don't work with anybody else outside of the dental industry, but yet we're still one of the fastest growing companies in the United States. So that tells us that we're doing something right. And we're doing something that helps people and helps them grow their businesses. And that's something that I'm most proud of. So what exactly do you do? How do you help people grow their businesses? 
Great question. So our company wise, we're always growing. So that's something that is at the core of what we do. I really believe that if you focus on helping other people get what they want, you'll always get what you want as the byproduct, if that makes sense. It's hard it's, to believe, but it's true. It's hundred percent true, right? So if I can, if I can figure out how to make Ross, if Ross is the dentist, if Ross wants to get from a hundred thousand to 300,000, or if Ross wants to go from three locations to 10 locations, and I can help him do that, I can basically call my shot of what I want as long as it's within basic reason, right? And so that's what we figured out how to do. And we do that largely through data and information. And then what what we have found is that most dental offices are failing because of operations, not of actually marketing problems. Now, there are lame marketing people out there. You and I talked about it before. There's a lot of people who just run into dental. They don't know the difference between a Profi and, and, and Invisalign, right? And so if you don't, you gotta, you gotta understand dentistry to market it. Like you have to, you can't just be an amazing marketer and do well at it. And so there's a lot of people who run into dental because they see the opportunity and they promise the stars in the moon and they can't deliver on it. And that's a big problem in the dental industry. So you have to be very careful of that. With that said, there's a huge problem in the dental industry when it comes to what I call the black hole of marketing. And I'll just break it down really simply for the listeners. These are industry averages. Okay. This, this means, and we track this for all of our clients. Plus I, I I'm partners with other people who track this kind of data. So I know these numbers are accurate. So number one, the unanswered call rate in the dental industry. Now for all the listeners out there, for all the dentists, I want you to stop and I want you to write down or mentally lock in your unanswered call rate during normal business hours. And here's what you're saying. They right don't now. Know, I know more than likely. Well, here's what most of them are saying right now. They're going, oh, I'm good at that. We're good. We answer almost all of our calls. <clears throat> wrong. You do not. If you said 100%, <clears throat> you're wrong too. Not possible. No one's at 100%. Or very rarely does anybody ever get to 100% in a given month. What is the percentage? And if you don't know the percentage, if you're like, well, I actually don't know the percentage. I just think we do pretty good at that. You're at the industry average. And it's going to make you want to throw up when I tell you it. The industry average is 35%. If you don't believe me, if you go, eh, it's just another marketing guy talking. I'm not, this is not marketing. This is operations. I challenge you, go call your office during the day. Go into your office, call your office and do it like four or five times. Do it 10 times over the next week or two. And during normal business hours and see how many times, block your number, see how many times they don't answer. You will be shocked. If you want to do another exercise, call some of the dentists in your area. I've done this live at events. I've been at events before and people are like, are you sure it's a, okay, let's just call some offices, pull it up on the screen, Google, call them, didn't answer, didn't answer, one answers, doesn't answer. You know what I mean? So this is real, like go test it. And the problem with that is, is if you're spending $10,000, I'm just using round numbers. If you're spending $10,000 a month on marketing and you don't answer the phone 35% of the time, you're going to lose $3,500 of those opportunities down the drain. Because we all know if you want to get your carpets cleaned or you need a plumber, you need any service, optometry, and you call somebody and you don't know them and they don't answer, what do you do? You go to the next one down on Google. You go to the next, next option. And then you end up going there. So these are not... Uh, opportunities that you can get back. These are gone forever, but it gets worse. It gets far worse. So the average conversion rate for a marketing new patient, not patient referrals. Okay. So if a patient referral calls your office, you're going to convert them at about a hundred percent. Ross, you and I could convert them at a hundred percent. My, my 17 year old could probably convert them at a hundred percent. Why? Because they're patient referrals or doctor referrals. They're, they've already been sold 
on how awesome you are. And they're going to come in pretty much no matter what, as long as you don't mess it up. But, and you don't need a lot of scripting or systems or anything to get them scheduled. You just answer your phone. However, marketing patients are not the same way. They're going to ask questions. And then the, well, here's what happens. The front desk says, oh no, they're just all shoppers. Yes, all new patients are shoppers, all of them. However, some of them have been convinced by their friends or family that they should go to your office, which makes them very easy to bring into your office. Marketing patients haven't been sold that yet. So they're going to ask questions and your team has to know how to answer those. And if they don't, you're going to convert it 50% on those. Well, here's the problem. You just lost $3,500 of your $10,000 marketing budget because you didn't answer. And then when you do answer, it's a coin flip. If they schedule, that's another $3,250. We've just lost 70% of our marketing budget, but it gets worse. The average time to appointment right now in the dental industry is two to three weeks out. Again, for patient referrals and doctor referrals, that doesn't matter. They'll wait. But in marketing patients, they're not going to wait that long. They'll schedule with you. And then they'll try to find somebody else in your market who's going to get them in faster. And then they no-show to your appointment, which you get super mad. And then you have holes in your schedule and you don't make money. So if you're scheduling more than 72 hours out, you're going to have about a 30% no-show rate from your marketing new patients, which is another $1,000 you just lost on that marketing budget before they even get to the door. So you just lost 80% of your marketing budget. Now, this is the problem. I call it the glass ceiling problem. I, and I see it all the time, dental offices. I spend $10,000 a month on marketing. I retain my patients at 95% recaring them to come back, but I never grow. I don't understand what's going on. This is why you have to close each of those gaps, which are all invisible. Like nobody tracks this stuff. And very few people track this in the dental industry and they're all invisible to you. And so your marketing is not going to work. So this is the first thing that we do for our clients when we work with them is, okay, we're going to track it, but then we add coaching on top of it. So it's like, if you're not answering the phone, usually that's a capacity issue, not a capability issue. So then we're like, okay, well, what's the options? Well, we could roll those calls over to a third party. We could help you hire another person, maybe someone who's, uh, uh, you know, through like a third party that can help you hire them at a discounted rate. There's, there's all these options that you can do there. But then answering the phone is usually, or uh, converting on the phone is not a capability, it's not a capacity problem, it's a capability problem. So this is when our phone coaches come in, we got LMSs they go through, give them certificates, they get trained up, they get be able to answer. Not Scheduling too far out, that's not a capability problem, that's a capacity problem. So then we have to go through and strategize. Okay, well, if you don't have a hygienist and you're, you're having to schedule out, then maybe we need to drive patients through the doctor schedule, or maybe we need to drive them through the consultation schedule, which are separate from the hygiene schedule. So that's just like a quick high level of what we do as a growth partner, but that's the biggest problem in the dental industry right now from a marketing perspective, bar none, there's nothing even, there's nothing else even close. So for the people who didn't just jump off a bridge after realizing their numbers are horrific, um, after hearing you lay that out, what I find interesting is that you lay it out Everyone thinks it's one problem, but typically it's a subset of other problems. So you talked about capacity or capability. You know, obviously answering the phones, there are people, I mean, there's lots of companies that do that. They'll record them. They'll send it to you. It, it looks bad because the people don't know how to talk on the phone, especially now when most people don't even actually talk on their cell phone. It's a quite. It's become a skill, unfortunately. But then there's like 
the capacity issue to answer the phone and the capability to talk on the phone and measuring these things to really helps you help you realize where you are. It, it's enlightening. And it, it's one of the things that what I have found, I have found there is a spectrum in the, in the dental world. And I've said this a million times on one end, you have people who own a job. It's a really good job, but it's a job. And then on the other end, you have business owners who happen to be dentists. And then you have everybody in between. And what you're telling people is you have to learn how to be a business owner to make the money you want to make. You've got to learn how to be a business owner, how to run a business, and have the systems and processes in place, which, by the way, the system and processes are what's going to drive your revenue, which, if you want to sell, is what the, those DSOs are looking for. Yeah, exactly. 100%. And I don't think you necessarily have to learn everything about business, right? I don't know everything about business, but yet I'm successful at business. I think the key ingredient here is being humble enough to realize what you do know and what you don't know, and then asking for help from the right people. If you do that, then your recipe for success is going to be huge. Like for example, Ross, you help people save money on transactions on their taxes. Like, I don't know how to do that. I know if I make a big sell, I'm going to lose a grip of money in taxes and I'm going to be really disappointed after I sell whatever, my business, my house, whatever. And because I don't know anything about that, I don't have a clue about it. Now I could say, well, I'm really good at marketing. So then I know about selling my house and and not paying taxes on it. Wrong, right? Like that's, they're not related. So being good at one thing does not make you good at the other. And this is, there's actually a framework on this that I learned and it really is helpful for me, but also for, I think for Dennis is your, and it's from the E-Myth. Um, it's a really good book about entrepreneurship, but basically what he breaks down in that book is like in business, first you become good at the thing. The technician is what he calls it. So like a dentist would be doing dentistry, right? Doing fillings, implants, things like that. For me, it was running ads, building websites, running SEO. So first you spend all this time becoming good at that. But then the next phase is the entrepreneur stage. The entrepreneur stage is actually learning how to make money off of that effectively and offering it as a service, which is totally different, right? So you could be the most, the best dentist in the world and not make money. You could actually lose money. There's plenty, being- there's plenty of people who are the best at their craft, but they are not the highest earning at their craft. Yeah. Or you could be the highest earning and losing money because you didn't structure your business properly. Right. Huh. Like, or you don't charge enough or you don't whatever. Right. Like you could be the fastest, but you charge so low that you're actually losing money on every transaction. That would be bad. That made that would make you an amazing dentist, but not an amazing entrepreneur. They're actually two different skill sets. They don't have anything to do with each other. Right. Like besides that, you're trying to do both of them. But then there's a third stage that most people don't even realize that they enter into as they become an owner doctor and that's leadership and leadership is a separate skill from entrepreneurship. Leadership is the ability to motivate other people to do what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it without you having to be there every second holding their hand, which I know dentists struggle with this big time because, and I understand it and I can relate to it because as they're sitting there trying to do a filling, they're also trying to make money at doing that filling and motivate everybody else around them And it's really hard to be amazing at those all at the same time because they're all separate three skill sets that have nothing to do with each other besides they're just all happening at the same time. And being good at one doesn't make you good at the other. I always assume that. I always assume, well, because I'm an amazing marketer, of course, I'm a good leader of a marketing company. That's wrong. I wasn't. (laughs) I had to actually go and stop and think and be like, okay, what does it mean to be a leader? And what do I need to do? And it's actually a different skill set than being a marketer and being a dentist, doing clinic, being amazing at cl- uh, 
clinician skills is a different part of your brain and a different skill set than being a leader. And so it gets really confusing. But if you think about those three skill sets and then you grade yourself, you can see really quickly where you're weak and why you have a lot of the problems that you have inside of your business. So do you kind of analyze those skill sets with all your clients and help help them walk through improving that? Or how does that work? No, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. That would be too, that'd be a lot. That'd be a lot. That would be too much. That would be too much. What I can do is help you figure out in your entrepreneur stage where you're struggling because you have holes in your operations. And then we help you get more new patients in, which helps you make more money, which helps give you a little bit more breathing room, which if you are motivated enough, you can go learn to be a leader. And there's people out there that coach on that. I could point to several people, but until you have freedom of time, you don't have the energy to focus on being a leader. Like, so you, they, they all, they all have to happen in order on purpose. No, that makes total sense. I mean, if you're, you're working, working the bone just because you're trying to keep the lights on yet, you don't have the bandwidth or the mentally or physically to take it to the next step. Yeah, so, exactly. All right. So what would you say, like the top two or three things people, let me phrase it this way. What are the two or three biggest mistakes people are making in their practice that are easy fixes that can be done relatively simply? Answer their phones, get more Google reviews. So answering your phones is huge. I, I've seen people that are not answering like 50% of their, their calls, like, now is this 55. just because there's not there's one person who's dedicated at the phone and yeah it's they, it, it's it's simple business like you have one person at the front desk their job is to check people in check people out answer the phone how, like do insurance verification like how do you how do you do all of that like you can't it's not physically possible and sometimes it gets absolutely crazy up there because everybody calls the office at the same time that's why I said it's not possible to even unless you have a call center with like a bunch of people answering your phones, 100% isn't even possible because you're going to miss calls. So, but at 35% makes it really hard to be successful with your marketing. So just answering your phones, figuring that out. And there's a ton of companies out there that you can actually just ask them to answer your phones when you're not able to. And are they as good as you? Probably not, but they're better than not answering your phone <laughs> for sure, right? So there's there's tons of options like that. That's number one. But then number two is Google reviews. Get more Google reviews. Here's why. Google reviews are the single most powerful thing when it comes to marketing. It doesn't matter if you're doing television marketing, billboard marketing, postcard marketing, internet marketing, patient referrals, doctor referrals, and marketing leads that have never heard of you before. They're all going to look at what first? Your Google reviews. Even if they go to your website, they go back out and look at your Google so, reviews first. So let me ask you this because it's so funny. My wife swears by reviews but she would over her cold dead body was she would she ever write a review yep and my daughter was like why are you looking at reviews if you'll never write one so yeah. talk about the psychology of that yeah so i bet you we could get your wife to leave a review right like she normally she wouldn't but i bet you you could if you do a good enough job and i'll talk about that in a second but yeah the basic psychology behind that is is that it's basically group referrals right so we're crowdsourcing people's opinion so if I said, hey, Ross, when you come out to California, here's an amazing sushi restaurant. And if I go out of my way to tell you that, and I know you like sushi, like you're going to then be more likely to go to that restaurant. That's a one-on-one -on -one peer referral. Now with Google reviews, you have crowdsourcing of that same opinion. 
So if you're looking for a sushi restaurant, but you don't know anybody in California, you now have the option to go through and look and go, okay, well, this sushi restaurant has 10,000 reviews and this one has 5,000 and this one has 1,000. And then you can look through and see, is this a traditional Japanese restaurant? Is this a modern Japanese restaurant with sushi? Is this a fusion sushi restaurant? And you can simply just look at the reviews and spend 10 seconds and figure out what kind of business that is. You can look at the pictures, look at the reviews, and boom, you know instantly, this is the one I want to go to. And dentistry is no different. Now, the problem is it's very people are motivated by posting reviews for sushi because it's it's just much normal, much more normal to leave a review for food restaurants, right? But for dentistry, the only time people are motivated to leave reviews is when you mess up. That's it, right? So it's the only time that people want to leave a review. So what you have to do is you have to reverse engineer your patients and the patient journey. And it's very simple to do. It's not hard. And, and the, where do the dentists usually get it wrong? They usually try to motivate the patient, but the patient isn't the one that needs motivation. It's your team members that need motivation. And it's also illegal or against the terms of service with Google Yelp to motivate the patient by giving them something, but it's not against the term of service to motivate your team. Okay. So what you do is it's so simple. All you do is you find that one person in your office. that's always bubbly, always happy, always happy to have a conversation. Usually they're at the end of your patient journey. So they're usually checking patients out or work at the front desk in some nature. And then you tell them, Hey, I want to get hundred Google reviews this month, or I want to get 500 Google reviews this quarter or whatever it may be. And then you tell them, I'm going to give you X amount. I'm going to give you a dollar per review. I've seen people do as high as $10 per review, but you have to hit this threshold in this amount of time to get them. So now you got motivation, right? I'm motivated. So this is a one-time fee. You're going to pay this person. And then how you come to that number of how many you should get is based on how many patients are you seeing, right? So if you're seeing 500, not just new patients, all patients, how many patients are coming through your door every single day, every week, every month, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is, what is your market bearing or what is the market bar at for the number of new uh, Google reviews that you should be getting? So if you go, again, if I gave the sushi restaurant, if you go in and look for a sushi restaurant and one has 10,000 reviews and everybody else has 100, it's a pretty easy decision what one to go to, right? But if everybody in the market has if, if one person has a hundred and everybody else has four, it's also an easy conversation to which one you should pick, right? So the number, it has nothing to do with, Gary, pick a number for me. I don't know. It depends which market you're in. If you're in Raleigh, North Carolina, you're probably going to need a couple thousand Google reviews. If you're in Boise, Idaho, you're going to need a couple hundred, right? Like it's, it's just based on what the market is going to bear. So you want to be in the conversation you don't have to have as many as everybody else, but you have to be in the conversation. So that's how you start to decide, okay, how many am I actually going to aim for and try to get? Now, how do I get them? That was your question. So how do I motivate your wife to leave a dental review, even though she never leaves a review? Okay, so this is this is very straightforward. So at the end, now I, my team member's motivated. And so at the end of every single patient visit, she's going to ask, uh, your what's your wife's name? Stacy. Stacy. So she's going to say, Stacy, how was your visit today? If it's anything at less than, oh, it was awesome. Thank you so much. Then you don't ask. Simple. But if it's like, oh, it was awesome. I really enjoyed coming today. Got all my stuff. Got my cleaning done. Everybody was great. That's awesome, Stacy. I'm so thankful that we did a good job. You know, I'm actually, um, my goal here in my job at this practice 
is to help make other people understand what an awesome job we could do for them. And it would actually help me personally if you could scan this QR code right here and just take 10 seconds to leave me a Google review. It would actually make my day, make my boss super happy. And it, I would get a pat on the back. Would you mind doing that really quickly? I'll show you how to do it. So here's the psychology behind it. It's actually, this comes from the car industry. Stole this from the car industry. So one time I went into the car in, uh, to buy a car. I buy all my cars online now, so I, I don't go into the car lots anymore. But w back in the day, I went into the car lot and this guy, you know how it is, right? They're like, okay, let me see your driver's license. Let me see your keys. And then you're stuck there, <laughs> right? They, we'll look at the car for the trade-in and you can't leave. And they don't give you your stuff <laughs> back, right? So they like, they're kind of bullies. And they're like, okay, we're going to buy this car. Da, 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 da. And finally, I'm like, fine, whatever. I'm going to buy this car. Great. Thank you so much. And it was a horrible experience. It was not a fun experience. And at the end, the guy said, hey, Gary, I got to be honest with you. And, and, and before this, he actually told me about his kids and like, oh, started telling me about his family and stuff, right? All set up. And he, at the end, he said, hey, Gary, you know, I, I only get my bonus at the end of the month if, and I keep my job, if you leave a, a five-star review in the email that's going to come to you. And it's going to come from a separate company. It's coming from Ford, not from the car dealership. And I got to get a five-star from you. Like I have to. Like, is that, is that possible? Could we pull that up really quick? And guess what I said, Ross? Said yeah, yes. for you. I said, yes. Even though I didn't like the guy, even though I didn't like his process, even though that it was super uncomfortable, but he, he explained who he was. And I was like, I can take 10 seconds to make this guy's day because it's super easy. No one cares to leave a review for Ford. No one cares to leave your review for your, your dental practice. They don't care, but they do want to leave a review for that nice young lady that works at your front desk. That's super nice to them all the time. And that's doing a contest right now. Happy to do it. Even if I've never left a Google review before. And this is just one of the probably dozens of things that you help your clients with to, to grow their business. It, you know, it maybe it's under the umbrella of marketing, but like you said, your growth partner, I mean, marketing is supposed to drive growth. Uh, as you mentioned before earlier, it doesn't always, but this is just one of the ways that you help them, you help your clients grow their exactly. practice. Yeah. So we have, there's three arms that we have to managing an account. We call it a pod. So we have a pod that manages each account. So let's pretend you're Dr. Ross. So Dr. Ross, you're going to have a client success manager and they meet with you. And then you're going to have a marketing expert who's going to work on the technical side of driving new patient leads. And then you're going to work on it with a coach and the coach is going to identify where your weaknesses are and where we can coach up your team to, to close those gaps on those weaknesses. So that pod works together in tandem to help you get across the goal line and whether it's boosting your Google reviews, answering your phones, converting on the phones, driving different kinds of patients for different kinds of treatment, or even like we have a course now that we just launched it's been amazing around full arch and you know, full arch, you know, it's, it's big, big treatment. You're talking 20 to 25,000 on the low side. And what we do is we actually teach the team how to actually sell it before or as we start marketing, because we've just seen so many people fail at it. It's like, it doesn't matter if you know how to market. It doesn't matter if you know clinically what to do. That one person in the middle doesn't know how to close. You're not closing any deals. So we have a whole program that we, we won't even do the marketing for people until they go through that program because we just know they're going to fail without that. So uh, unless they already know how to sell, of course. I do uh, think it's funny that people don't realize the word case acceptance is the same thing as sales. 
Yeah, I'm trying to change that. So I've just kind of ripped the bandaid off and just be like, yeah, this it's Every, everything everywhere is sales. Getting your kid to follow your instructions is sales. <laughs> it is sales and marketing. Everything's marketing, everything's sales. That's right. And 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 I'll say this too. Uh, another thing that we help our clients with is using patient financing. Nobody uses patient financing, which is absolutely wild. Going you know, like care credit? Not just, there's so many more options. I know there's a million of them out there, yeah. but like you're telling me third party, no one's using third party financing? No, they don't use it. It's like a why? fraction. Well, here's why. So it's, it's, it's a psychology thing. So there's two things. Number one, the dentist basically is like, well, they're going to take a percentage of all my fees, which they do. Because there's a service that they're providing. Do you rather have 93% of a dollar or zero cents of a dollar? That's, but that's business, right? So you're over here, Ross, and you're using your business side of the brain. But dentists just look at, well, I'm making $100,000 a month and I'm going to have to give them. Do they take credit cards on their cleanings? Exactly. Three and a half percent. Exactly. It's the same exact thing. So, so, but, but so here's what happens the doctor goes half in, half out, and then the team doesn't go fully in on it. And then so no one, it doesn't end up getting used. So the doctor's like, let's just figure out how to like do some of the work if they can't afford it, rather than just being like, hey, let's try to figure out the best option for you to get this treatment done. Cause you you got you can need fillings, you got root connect, you got all kinds of stuff going on. Most of our clients use financing. Is that what you want to do? Or do you have you want to pay with card or cat? Like what if you just say it like that, then all of a sudden they're like, Oh yeah, I'd love to finance it. Right. And then now you have that option. Now here's the second thing though. The second thing is, is that these, these uh, finance opportunities come to the offices and the treatment coordinator gets their hands on it and they are excited about it. And so they go to Miss Betty, who's been with their practice for 20 years, and it's like they love her to death and they put her through this program and she gets rejected and they have to go tell her like, sorry, Betty, you didn't qualify. And it literally breaks their heart. They're good people, right? They're, they want to help people and then they get cold feet. They never want to go through that again. So there's things that you can do to work around that, but this is a huge problem in the dental industry. I don't even know how to explain it any further than I just did. Besides whoever figures this out first is going to absolutely crush. And there's not the full arch market has had to figure it out because those treatment sizes are so big that just people aren't dropping 20 to 40 K 50 K. But on the GP side, they just keep dancing around it and going, Oh, let's just do one tooth instead. Or, Let's just, you know, try to figure out, you know, maybe, maybe next time when you come back, we'll do the treatment. And it's crazy. My, my son went to go get Invisalign and he went there. He had the money saved up for it and everything. And that's awesome in. that you made him pay for it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So they, he goes in to go pay for it and he's like, yeah, I want Invisalign and he's a kid. Right. And so they're like, you know, this is really expensive, right? I mean, and that's not going to help you sell your product or something. They literally talked him out of buying Invisalign and he came back and they were like, yeah, they just said it was too expensive. I'm like, stinking dental, bro. <laughs> like, dude had the money in his bank account. You and call, he, You should call the ortho and and tell him, I can see you're, you're literally, your staff is literally working against you. I can fix that for you and make you more money. Everybody's doing this. This is not a uh, an edge case. This is 90 percent of dental now this is and this is why dso's are kicking everybody's butt and then they're going why are they kicking our butt this is why they go in and they figure this out and then they go in and fix it and then they go why are they winning at everything you know we're better we can take better care of the patient we can we, we're, we're the owner doctors in the office and all these kind of things right and it's true but you're getting your butt kicked because 
basic business things like this that people just avoid and dance around and they and and they do it from a point of integrity or honor where it's just like no we don't do sales and we don't do financing and we don't we don't we don't try to you know convince people and it's like that's one way to look at it and you can look at it that way or you can look at it as you're not helping people you're not getting them the dental treatment that they need they desperately need and we know now it's not just dental dental affects your whole body so you're literally leaving them in a position to be unhealthy and setting them up for health failure in the future by not giving them all their options. That's how I look at it. So let me change subjects on subjects on you and ask you a question, which I don't know if you do this or not. So this is kind of a, a question in faith here. Do you help practices transition from insurance to fee for service? No. Do you have any comments on fee for service versus insurance? Yeah. Insurance is marketing. Okay. So does it expound? That's it. It's marketing. Yeah. Just so because, you hey, you're, I'm in your network. So now I, I have leads. Yeah. So, so would you discourage someone from going fee for service or is it really no. case by case? doesn't matter. Yeah. You can, it depends on your market and depends on if you go fee for service, it's just totally fine. We work at a ton of offices that are fee for service. You have to look at your office and you have to look at your actual mix and it's complicated, right? So I've actually sat down with DSOs and watched how they do this process and you literally have a, like, it's kind of like an Excel spreadsheet, but it's in a program and you have every, every patient with their, with their insurance and then how much they're actually paying out and how often they're coming. And then you have to decide, like, is this worth removing? Is this good marketing? Is it bringing me the right people? And am I getting a reasonable rate back? And are they buying more treatment in the future or is it bad marketing? So you could go and be, do, let's do Medicaid as an example. So Medicaid is probably the worst payer of all the insurances, right? But some people make it work for like pedo and, and, and some people make it work in California. And, and it's a business decision on a kind of marketing that you're doing, right? That's, that's all it is. Then there's um, HMOs. That's the next worst. So HMOs, you say, okay, I'm going to be in network with HMOs. And I'm going to get all these patients to come to me and they're going to be extremely driven to do whatever's covered on their insurance. If that's the kind of dentistry you want to do, that's fine. That's a marketing strategy, right? So you don't even, don't come talk to me, exercise that marketing strategy. Then when you jump into the PPOs and in network and out of network, and we will build your insurance, we won't build your insurance. These are all just strategies as well. And some of them can be very lucrative. Some of them can't. A lot of that depends on how well you are taking care of your patients and what services you're actually selling them outside of just what's covered by their insurance. And that's largely determined by how well you're educating the patient. That's it. Like, that's all it is. So, well, and, and if you say- that, That's a big point right there, how well you're educating your patient. You're not educating them and you're just letting them go by the, you know, whatever the insurance says, you're likely leaving money on the table. And- Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, you are. But maybe that's too much of a pain for you because you're like, I don't want to have to sell people. Fine. Then that's the model. That's the business model that you've chosen to be in. Now you can be in fee for service, but you have to realize like there's obstacles around that and the obstacles start at the top on the phone. So let me give you an example. Here's the number one thing that I hear all the time. Patients call the dental office. They say, do you, uh, do you accept ABC insurance? So most offices that are fee for service say, we are not in network with any insurances. Okay, that's fine. You can say that, but you literally are going to lose every single person that's going to call and ask you, do you accept XYABC insurance, right? You're just going to lose them. 
They did not ask you. This is my personal opinion. Now, everybody, there's a whole ethical debate around this, right? Every single person um, that calls, I've, I've listened to the calls. I know this for a fact. They do not ask you if they're in network or not. Very rarely does anybody ask. This ask if you participate with it, which means do you bill to it? Now, if you're a fee-for-service where you say a true fee-for-service where you're like, I'm not going to bill to their insurance. I'm not going to do nothing. You have to do that. You have to pay me in full. It's a tough, tough way to run an office. You better be in a very affluent market, like very, like lots of money, right? But that's not what most people mean by fee-for-service when they say that. What they mean is we're just not participating with their rates. We'll take whatever that we can get from the insurance company, and then we'll come back and, and work with them on that front. If you want to grow and be a fee-for-service office, that's how you have to do it. And the correct way to answer that question, when somebody calls and says, do you accept my ABC insurance? You answer the question with the question. Is it a PPO? Uh, I think so. I think it's a PPO. Okay, it's not an HMO? No, it's not an HMO. I know it's not an HMO. I can, I can pick whatever office I want to go to. Oh, great. Yeah, we build all PPOs. What's the best time to come in, mornings or afternoons? Or what, what's going on? What kind of trouble are you trying to solve? That's it. And then you, have a, then you have to have a real conversation with them and navigate all their insurance stuff because it's going to be confusing because insurance... Have you ever seen uh, The Incredibles before? Of course. The Incredibles? Yeah. You remember when the guy's sitting in the office and he's talking to the little old lady and she's like, I, I lost my home, my home burned down. And I don't know what to... And she, he's like, sorry, I can't help. And then finally he goes, listen, you have to submit form B, section three, four, five, right? He like gives her the... the, the, the yeah, the cheat code. But no one knows besides him. And he tells her all the cheat code, how to overcome the system. Like you basically have to become that of insurance, which is hard, right? But I've seen people do it successfully. And all, and then it takes communication. And guess what? All you have to do, so simple. All you have to do is convince the patient that the insurance is the bad guy and you're the good guy trying to help them. That's it. So it's if I tell you, Ross... Good. If I'm the dentist or if I'm the treatment coordinator and just like, look, Ross, I'm going to be honest with you. Dental insurance, kind of a scam. And let me explain why. If you get car insurance and you run your car into a wall and you break it, guess what? They're going to replace it for you. If you have house insurance and your house burns down, they're going to replace it for you. And your health insurance that you get from work, Ross, if you have a heart attack, they're going to help you get your heart working again and get you back on your feet. Dental insurance Basically, it's just a coupon code. It gives you a coupon towards you, some of your dentistry, it covers some of your cleanings, maybe gives you a discount here and there. But overall, it's not that great. We actually have an in-house membership plan that blows all the insurances out of the water. It gives you 20% off all of your treatment. It's only $99 a month. It gives you a free cleanings twice a year. And, uh, and it's great. We have tons of patients on it. But either way, I'm going to help you maximize the opportunity of what you have either way and help you get the treatment that you need today. Does that sound okay? Of course You're going to say, yes. absolutely. Now I'm your advocate because the, the patients, um, you think the dental offices are confused about dental insurance. The patients are like a million times more confused about it. Wow. So, I mean, I could interrogate you uh, like a deposition <laughs> for the next 45 minutes, but how do people contact you? How do they get, in, how do they connect with you to have a conversation to see if working with you makes sense. Uh, so, pro tip, pro tip, it probably does. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, we're not for everybody, right? So, like, if someone comes and is like, if you don't want to grow, if, uh, we have people come to us and they're like, I want a new website. Okay, why? 
Oh, I just don't like the look of my old one. Oh, we're probably not the right fit for that, right? Like, oh, and not be everyone like, wants to grow because, like I said, the bingo. dentist who owns a job, unless they want to no longer own a job, because I know dentists like that who don't want to grow, and that's fine. Yes, there's there's a very much a that's how dental was for a long time. You'd put your you'd put your uh, shingle up on the door, and you weren't allowed to marketing. Marketing was actually illegal. You worked uh, three and a half the, days a week. Yep. And you, and, and there was a line out the door because it, there was laws in each city of how many dental, dental offices could open. Right. So it was like, we're going to market by legislation, but all those were overturned is illegal all throughout the United States. Now anybody can open up a dental practice anywhere if they're a dentist for the most part. And you have to compete now if you want to have a growing practice. So um, yeah, hundred percent. So the best way to reach out to us is smcnational.com. If you go there, let them know that you saw me on this podcast. The team will take care of you and, uh, and, and, and see. It doesn't cost anything to figure out and see, does this make sense? We also, I have a ton of podcasts, a ton of virtual events. I actually teach other people how to do marketing because I realize like some people are like, no, I don't want to work with you, Gary. I want to train my own person. So I'm like, cool, I'll train them. And if they can't do it for whatever reason, then we'll help you. Um, so we actually have a ton of events where we train people how to actually do the marketing, all this stuff that I'm talking about. And then uh, also we, I'm on social media. So I post a ton on social media. I'm the Gary Bird on everything. Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, everything. What is your podcast? Because you have a podcast too. I have four podcasts. So the most popular. I'm sorry, when do you sleep? I, I don't, I don't sleep. I actually sleep as the cousin of death. So I just stay awake and uh, keep it. No, I'm just playing. I just actually get eight hours every single night, but I schedule everything. I'm very process driven. I'm, I'm actually a deep personality like a dentist. So I actually relate really well to dentist. Um, so if you saw my schedule right now, it's just like everything's color blocked and just planned out and, and executed. But um, my most popular podcast is called Dental Marketing Theory. It's the number one podcast on dental marketing. And that's the one that most people know me of. But then I have a bunch of niche podcasts for like some around Full Arch, some around GP. And, so, and I do another podcast with the news of just like what's going on in the dental industry from like uh, from a legislation and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I try to keep up on that. So um, I ha- and, and really, it's just me and my friend talking about what's going on in the dental market. Uh, and and we record it and post it. So, um, but anyways, if you just go to our website, you can get all of that. We also have a ton of free free webinars where it's like if you want to learn how to build your hygiene department, if you want to learn how to like grow and grow your practices from a legal standpoint, if you want to learn how to, yeah, I mean, we have a ton of stuff. Like, it, it, I have it's almost endless amount of content that we've created. So, and it's most of it we give away for free because I realize dentists love to learn and we want to try to give back as much as possible. So that's how you can connect with me though, smcnational.com or the Gary Bird on social media. Gary, this has been phenomenal. This is, I, I'm not blowing smoke when I say this is one of the best podcasts we've done just on the content you have shared. It's so informational, educational, and it's not fluff. Like I told you before, my opinion is there's a lot of charlatans in dental marketing. Um I don't mean to be rude. I just mean to be honest. True. And um, I mean, I didn't know you. We connected on LinkedIn. I was like, hey, this looks legit. And uh, I'm I'm like super thrilled we got to talk because this has been great. I, I thank you so much for coming on. Question while we're still recording. Are you um are you are you scheduled on my podcast yet? I'm not. Okay, I'll get you scheduled right now. So I'll send that, I'll send over the links to get you going. Awesome, bro. Well, once again, everyone, smcnational.com. Check him out. Listen to his podcast. And um, Gary, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. 
Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine. Keep up the great work. Love what you're doing. And thanks for the opportunity. You've been listening to Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brennan. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Ross Brannan is a registered representative of Coastal Equities, Inc. and Investment Advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc. and securities are offered through Coastal Equities, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.